0: Listening to Making a Difference about Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shireen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shireen Rice with Making a Difference about Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. This is pre-recorded tonight, so I can't accept any phone calls. And because I'm taking a vacation. <laughs> so if you're listening tonight um, and you want to get in touch with me, you can also email me and let me give that to you. CWR at gmail.com. Let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night now at 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and of course, 9 Eastern. Um, my show is also, also can be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want direct links to the programs um, on, on those services, then you can go to our homepage at cwrtalknetwork.com and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you are experiencing a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline of 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Okay, so uh, before I get to my guests, I would like to do my normal impromptu uh, topic which um i have a couple different ones but i think i'll just go with emdr which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing now i didn't know anything about this and i um i had endured um abuse about 35 years ago and i i had a hard time getting rid of it i mean you know how that anger and that hate just sits with you and so I, I mean I've been praying and I, I mean I tried every trick in the book that I use and I said to a friend of mine that's a therapist I said I need I don't know what to do I'm trying to get rid of this I can't get rid of it and um, it's just the anger that sits inside and so she said you know what let me try EMDR with you and I said oh yeah well okay but it won't work so we're good but all right we'll try it I'll try anything and she did, and I'm gonna tell you right now, um, it's all feelings are completely gone. It's just uh just amazing. I was actually in shock. So if you're struggling with something and you've tried everything, and I mean absolutely everything, and you don't know how to get rid of it that you don't wanna hold on to, you might wanna try emdr it's called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing not all therapists do it uh, but a lot of them do it's it's um something that's uh, up and coming also if you might want to do what i did i um went to youtube and checked it out first i'm like let me see what they do and then i I saw it and i'm like yeah that's not going to work for me but hey Awesome. (laughs) I haven't, um, it did, it worked great. So I was actually in shock. So if you're trying to move past something in your abusive past, and like I said, this has been 35 years and I've held on to it. And, um, the anger just kept welling up inside. Um, I, I was able to get rid of a lot of other things, but I just couldn't get rid of that one. And, um, it was, it was wonderful. Um, when I realized that I could actually just get past that and how uh, easy it was. I guess nothing's easy, right? I've held on to it for so long, but uh, how easy it was for that, for me. Now, sometimes I will be honest with you. It takes several um, visits to get rid of stuff. And she even told me, you know, this will probably take several visits. And, um, Another therapist said, if you got rid of it that quickly, it's because you've been trying to get rid of it. You wanted to get rid of it. You're ready to get rid of it. And I said, I've been ready to get rid of it for years now. So um, I'm just really happy that um, I was able to to get through it and in one session. That's great. So, okay, um, let's go to a public service announcement. And I will then introduce our new guest, our guest for tonight, that is. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. Again, this is Shireen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. And my guest tonight is Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Bradley. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He's from San Diego, California. And Jonathan is uh, is a United States Army veteran and licensed security industrial uh, professional totaling 15 years experience. Highly analytical, uh, dedicated, intuitive, providing close personal protection and security. Launched in June of 2018, Strategic Services Command Sanctuary Domestic Abuse Protection Team has tasked itself with the goal of being a shield from attack. Fending off threats or disturbances to domestic abuse victims and ensure that getting from point A to B is safe. Possessing expertise in emergency, contingency planning and response procedures, executive protection principles and concepts and threat and vulnerability assessments. Jonathan has been dedicated in protecting victims of domestic abuse in all its forms. He is married to his wife, Marcella, and they have two daughters. Their ages are 12 and 10. And let's welcome Jonathan to our show. Hey, Jonathan. Hello, Donovan. everyone.
1: <laughs> Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
0: I'm <laughs> doing excellent. Hey, thank you for being on tonight. And um, first, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Just tell us a little bit
1: about you. Okay. As- you all heard. I'm from San Diego, California, born and raised. And uh, after high school, uh, went into the military. And uh, being in the military uh, was a a culmination of of my passion of wanting to always serve and uh, help others and be in uniform. After the military, went into the security industry uh, with uh, the goal of Uh, advancing my knowledge in that industry and and starting uh, my own business Uh, and so in starting my own business coming with the understanding that so many individuals have started either uniform security or executive protection aka bodyguarding so what was I going to do Uh, so and in the midst of all that uh, I had gotten married March of uh, 2018 to my wonderful wife uh, Marcella, uh, and uh, our, we have two wonderful daughters uh, who are just as smart and and uh, talented as as ever. Awesome.
0: And uh, let's start with um, what was your brainchild behind um, this this command team that you started.
1: When I was putting together my business plan, uh, back in 2007, uh, I was going through, uh, the questions of w- what it was going to be named and, uh, what type of business it was going to be. And when it got to the point of, uh, major and minor competitors, so jumped on Google and typed, uh, private security companies, bodyguard companies, and, Everyone under the sun has that, especially in California, in Southern California, that. And so I didn't know where to go from that. I didn't know exactly what my niche was going to be. Uh, And then a friend of mine uh, at the time said, why don't you do what you're passionate about but for the Lord? And so I had to take a giant step back and think, okay, how is that going to manifest itself? And so it – it took a uh, a lot of thinking and a lot of note taking and more time to go by for me to to come up with uh strategic services command uh and it's uh, two components that are within the command so yeah, so it was so what really launched it was was wanting to to of course you know serve the lord and uh, and in doing so, I feel that I'm called to to help people uh, with through pr- protection. You know, as you read, you know, being a shield uh, for them in whatever uh, negative circumstance might come their way.
0: Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. What I read, actually, it was rather a mouthful and a lot of um, thought process in just a short couple sentences. <laughs> i um, I was pretty impressed um, so you protect um, d v victims um, now, how do you fend off threats if you will?
1: so our do- domestic violence uh, protection team uh, their their makeup if you will is is similar to what you may uh, find with the executive protection team for a high profile business person or celebrity or even the secret service for uh the president foreign dignitaries so so we we have that uh, security detail that is with uh the individual or individuals uh and are with them where wherever they may go uh point a to point b or or if they're going multiple places uh and in in that whole scenario, we have gathered uh, information on uh, on active or possible threats, uh, information on who we are uh, protecting. Uh, so if there is, is a, a particular antagonist that is coming against them, then we can use um, uh, ourselves in a uh, lethal or less than lethal or an unearthed scenario, depending upon uh, the threat level and uh, the client's specification. Yeah. And
0: um, let me ask you this real quick. Did you have anyone that you knew or that was in your family uh, that had domestic violence? Is that one reason why you went that direction? Or what was? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes, definitely. My mother experienced uh, domestic violence, uh, both uh, physical mental emotional financial uh, when my uh, sister and I were were young elementary school age my my sisters had experienced it uh, in their preteen and, and high school uh, years uh, and my wife in uh, previous relationships have gone through it and I, I myself had have gone gone through it gone through it also in uh, previous relationships so just, having that, that history and uh, being married to someone that has experienced that for themselves emboldened me even more so to want to, uh, to make this happen and to want to do my best to make it so that uh, the others that are going through it don't go through it. And my mother has even shared with me when I brought to her attention about sanctuary that if this type of service, was around when she was going through uh, domestic violence, uh, she would have jumped on it because, you know, it is, it is a needed uh, service to to have. And at the time she didn't have any help and she didn't have anyone. And so she would have definitely jumped on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I thought there might have been some, someone that you knew um, that, had a, a DV background or something to that effect because of the fact that people just don't come up with that <laughs> and um yeah, so true. true yeah and i <laughs> am um I'm impressed that you number one, you wanted to follow the lord right and and then this yeah, came definitely. to your mind how awesome is that, but like we were speaking earlier, and there aren't any this side of the mississippi except for two in texas and you're right we need them in every state we need them in every county we it it's so needed
1: i definitely agree it's like as great as our law enforcement uh, agencies across the, the nation across the world uh rather uh, are they they can only do so much uh they don't have uh personal protection uh, designations or, or duties for scenarios such as domestic abuse. And they, they respond, they, they take the report, uh, make an arrest, uh, if, uh, that, uh, scenario, uh, presents itself. Uh, but then, but then they they go and, and there's that, that, that gap between when they've made contact with law enforcement or with domestic violence agencies, uh, to when they have to continue on with areas of their life, whether it's uh, going to work, uh, whether it's uh, taking kids to and from school or going to court appointments. They're doing that uh, more often than not by themselves if they don't have a domestic violence advocate that's also accompanying them. But even even so, even if they were to have another family member, a, a agency advocate, there still is a level of threat that is present, especially if the 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 antagonist is uh, out of custody or has not been taken into custody uh, and is just out in the world. you know stalking still occurs uh, <clears throat> excuse me physical threat is still occurs so so the victims need to be able to have. Uh, a, a agency to have a, a, a protection service that can be able to accompany them and to truly keep them safe not to just be present but to tr- truly keep them safe if they are right. under threat and work and work alongside with law enforcement and I continue to stress that uh, that we as a private security company and having this uh, protection team is not outside of the law or outside of the work that law enforcement does, that we interact with law enforcement on a regular basis, uh, keep them apprised to what we're doing. If we need their assistance, we uh, keep in communication with them so they can be able to assist us if uh, a threat is bigger than us or we need a, an escort detail or in uh, a courthouse or what have you. So we do work alongside with domestic violence agencies and law enforcement.
0: Wow, that's great, because a lot of times, I know a lot of people have mentioned um, around here and other places, um, there's not a whole lot law enforcement can do until someone's dead, and we really want to help them prior to that. Um, A a friend of mine who works in um, South Carolina uh, said she was interviewed, and she had a stack of um, restraining orders, and the interviewer. And the interviewer said, so, what about the restraining orders? And she says, we call these last will and testament. Because once you get a restraining order, yeah, it does not speak volumes. (laughs) Once you get a restraining order, a protective order, anything like that, they don't care. Abusers don't care. They will, they, they don't follow the law. That's why they beat the crap out of them so many times. They don't care because they are invincible. They know exactly what they can say, what they can do, how they can do it without ever getting um touched. It it's amazing how diverse with the law that It is a very
1: law. right. It is it's, a, it's a, a very unfortunate thing where you have a a document that is supposed to protect you. And right. yet the 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 person that is the the abuser, they know full well that a piece of paper can, cannot protect. Right. The law behind it, yes, but the piece of paper itself is is nothing to the abuser, and so, so yeah. So by the time it's like okay, the abuser is breaks into a house or cuts you off on the road or whatever, you know. And then it's like okay, they they beat you or whatever the unfortunate thing has happened, and then they leave, and it's like, okay, well, then I'm going to call the police because I have this restraining order. But the abuse has already taken place, and so that's Mm -hmm. where our team comes in. So when we are working with the client and we are aware that a protective order or a restraining order uh, is in place, whether it's temporary or a permanent one, that if the abuser is coming within... Uh, those parameters that they're not supposed to, that along with law enforcement, we can enforce that restraining order, and you know, and right. we can detain them, subdue them if they are becoming a physical threat, uh, but at the same time, our team will contact law enforcement and, and have to make that arrest because they're violating the restraining order, and so these, so we want to uh, increase not only The safety of individuals and their longevity, uh, but also increase the, or I should say, uh, decrease the opportunity for the abuser to violate uh, restraining orders because they're like, okay, wow, there there is agencies out there that you know could be you know with you know, with this particular person or against me. So I, you know, to have them think twice.
0: Right. Right. This is so interesting. Um, and so needed. It's just unbelievable that no one's come up with this before now. And, um, and you guys are taking care of, or, uh, you're financially, uh, backed by, um, grants and people who, want to pay back or pay forward. Right. And what's exactly. amazing is I would think that it wouldn't be anybody's brainchild unless they had some experience with that and said, Hey, you know, that's a need. I'm just shocked that with all the amount of domestic violence that goes on has been discussed as of late, you know, the sexual assaults, domestic violence, the battering, all of that, um, yeah. that there isn't more. Uh,
1: around, I believe that private security companies, they choose not to uh, step into that uh, environment, uh, I'm sure for the, the safety aspect, because as we know, even uh, law enforcement, when they go into a domestic violence situation, uh, there's been law enforcement officers that, you know, have been assaulted, have been shot uh just and they're just responding to a DV call, you know. So I believe right. I believe that private security companies they shy away from uh, wanting to get involved because it's like, okay, you know, I don't want my uh, security officers to to get hurt. It's not really what we should be doing. But ultimately, I believe it's because they don't see the money. And oh. a lot of a lot of companies. They, if, there's, if it's uniform, it's like, okay, they'll go after commercial contracts, residential contracts, sectioning, a.k.a. bodyguarding. They'll go after uh, high-profile clients, celebrities, foreign dignitaries. They'll do a lot of uh, overseas work because the money is in these things.
0: Right. And
1: so that's why you have so few that have the heart and the the passion to want to say, you know what? I want to step out in faith and and put this service uh, forth within uh, the whole of my security organization because I want to give back. I want to help uh, th- right. those that that are forgotten too often. Right. Uh, and so, but we we are the one percent, and that's what I believe.
0: Right, and uh, y- you're right, uh, D.V., dvs are the ones that get shoved under the rug just ignore them they'll go away or you know um they they're not cared about but you are right it is uh it's 33 percent of all law enforcement are killed um during a uh, dv calls and so i mean you know they they sign up for this job. They got to know the, the the statistics before, right? <laughs> it's not like yes. it's a secret that no one's going to be shooting at you if you're a cop. But that being said, you guys go in knowing full well that that's a possibility, and you have experience to take care of the situation. It kind of reminds me of um, well, I'm I'm watching a show called uh, Burn Notice right now, and every oh, time they yeah, get into a bed. Yeah, every time they get into a bad situation, they know exactly what to do because they've done it over and over and over and over again, right? And
1: um, exactly. <clears throat> same type
0: of thing. Um, you guys know what to do. You've been in it. You've been in the military. You know. You've um, Do you have any ex law ex-law enforcement on your team, or just ex military right now?
1: Uh, both. Uh, I have one person working with me who works uh, as a reservist for the San Diego Sheriff's Department.
0: Oh awesome so and so they have person,
1: these you no, know, I was just going to say so each person that uh that wants to make the decision to uh to work with the command, it's like I not only vet their uh tactical experience, whether it's uh law enforcement or the military or ex- extensive uh security uh background, but uh also. Or what is their, their mindset? What is uh, their emotional stability? Because
0: right it's, uh,
1: inserting yourself in a domestic abuse situation, it's not cut and dry. It's not like, okay, you know, uh, one, th- th- two, and three. It's like uh, understanding the, the variables, understanding the, the emotional uh, impact of what's going on, uh, how there's emotional highs and lows, you know, and being able to have the mental fortitude to be able to uh, adapt uh, in in this environment, uh, and so I just don't uh, have anyone on the, uh, this particular team. Uh, I just I make sure that they have the experience, uh, and and also if they if they've had uh, domestic violence training uh, from a, a, a particular age, uh, agency. Uh, or they've before just been in the environment is key for me uh, to have them on the protection team because they know what to expect. Yeah. And
0: I like how you say the protection team. Awesome. Okay. Now in your, in the um, bio that I introduced, you indicate that you have a threat and vulnerability assessment. What is, is that exactly?
1: So we have a assessment. So when we meet with a client, uh, and we are given uh, their 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 story uh, that from from what is transpiring, we are able mm-hmm. to determine from our our threat level uh nexus you know how high it is so just like how the United States have fcon Des- one two three four 5, it's like we have a threat level scale uh, so we are able to know it's like okay. This or this particular client has um, a high, high threat level against them, you know, like imminent threat, or or it's elevated or it's guarded, uh, and uh, and so we have that for client that we are going to be protecting. We right. also uh, do we also do threat assessments uh, for uh, domestic uh, violence uh, agencies and um, transitional shelters. Uh, that want to uh, make sure that their uh, security measures are uh, on par with what they need, uh, or if they need to be improved or something they didn't think of. So we uh, provide those uh, threat threat assessments and uh, security assessments to uh, uh, domestic abuse locations uh, as well.
0: And and they probably, uh, one of those assessments probably Uh, Or one of the questions is probably, uh, was a gun ever brought into the house? Did he ever use it as a threatening tool and so forth? Has he ever used it on you and so forth? That probably increases the threat level.
1: Yes, definitely. You know, if uh, there are weapons involved, whether it's firearm or whether, you know, if it's a knife or, you know, definitely it's like we need to know. Uh, if there are weapons involved, uh, and yes, that does increase the threat level. Uh, you know, if the abuser is like, I, you know, if we're told that the abuser said, you know, I'm going to kill you and brandish a firearm, you know, right. what have you, then that that lets us know it's like, okay, uh, this person has an imminent threat against them. Uh, right. And also, so we, so we know from a tactical and strategic standpoint that, okay, if we happen to encounter uh, the abuser that there is a, uh, a high probability that they could have a weapon on.
0: Right. And I guess the stats on that are if there's ever been a weapon that's been even brandished, it increases the death threat or the the possibility of death for the victim 500%.
1: That's absolutely right. Absolutely. Which
0: is scary. <clears throat> Um, and what else was I going to say on, on guns? Oh yeah. Let me show you my experience. And I mean, even brandished a gun and, um, my experience with my, um, abuser was, um, a lot. I mean, this happens so many times. I can't even tell you the number. I mean, so many times and, and you have to understand abusers. I don't know what they're thinking ever. I don't think like they do. So, um, he would pull out his, Handgun that was next to the bed. He'd put his head next to mine oh, wow. and say, The next time he goes, If I feel the big one coming on, I'm just going to pull the trigger and take us both out at the same time. And I mean, he said this all the time. So when I brought this up in court, uh, when I wanted a restraining order, <clears throat> the um, judge goes, Well, that's just your word against his. And she took oh, the restraining man. order off and um wow. he, well he goes I, I never said that right well i was able later to tape him admitting he had said it and when he uh when he said it he goes well you took it out of context i mean how do you take that out of context <laughs> wow
2: <laughs> ridiculous
0: i know Typical. i mean they have an excuse for everything don't they you took it out of context and i'm like context I don't care. You pulled out a gun, and you, you would say that, and you would say that, and you would do it, uh, say it over and over and over. And sometimes he'd put the gun to his head and, and say it. You know what I mean? Or just brandish it and say it. It doesn't matter. But he said it so many times, mm-hmm. I can't even count that high. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when the um, battered person's advocacy people said, hey, you're in grave danger, it didn't even dawn mm-hmm. on me didn't even dawn on me that I was in danger just because he even just wow. did that but that's what happens yeah, yeah. if they even brandish a gun you are 500% higher chance of being killed by a gun <laughs> that was scary when i found that out mm-hmm. actually Okay, so tell me a little bit, and we've talked about this a lot, anyway. But um, I, I wanted you to share a little bit about your business. Is there anything that you haven't shared at this point that I haven't asked you? Because um, I know it's it's vast and it's unique, absolutely unique, and it's something we all need in this this half of the country for sure. But is there anything else that you wanted to share about your about the command?
1: So. Earlier, I had mentioned that uh, we have two components within the command, uh, Sanctuary, as we were speaking on uh, this evening, Uh, and the first one is uh, our FAST team, FAST Any Foreign Deployed Advisory and Security Team, and we provide uh, security teams to protect humanitarian groups and missionary groups that travel and serve overseas. On uh, short-term assignments, and so uh, that was another uh, niche that I wanted to step into, because wow. as a lot of security, a lot of security companies are providing security protection for uh, foreign dignitaries and business execs that travel uh, internationally. There are, you know, small church groups or small humanitarian organizations that go inter- overseas to these same countries that have civil unrest terrorism you know high um, crime rates whatever the case may be they go to these same areas uh, more often than not without uh, protection and so that's what uh, encouraged me to create um, the fast team uh, and uh, with sanctuary uh, as we have been, been uh, speaking on uh, my goal is to to have individuals, uh, men and women, uh, single or with families, that are experiencing uh, domestic abuse, to know that there are uh, people and organizations out there that that care and right. that want their safety and security to to matter, uh, and uh, and so that's this is why wanting to. To uh, speak and and get our organization out there because what what we do is is because we have a heart for it you know it's like whether it's like I have no concern on whether or not I'm gonna get rich doing this that doesn't even cross my mind but what crosses my mind is wanting uh, people to be safe wanting to be uh, because it's difficult to to live life and, and the joys of it if you're worried about your security, you're worried about if you're safe day in and day out.
2: But I will say I, I never thought of, um, of missionary groups and um, humanitarian groups needing security, but I've seen it that they need security. I mean, I've seen it in my own church and stuff like that. I can see how they would need that.
1: Yes, they, they definitely do uh, because there's been far too many times where missionary humanitarian groups have been kidnapped have been killed uh, just for being a westerner or under the assumption that they're that they're trying to sell religion or or for just being of a fairer skin color that whatever the case is especially if they're American and so wanting to go to these places overseas and to help people with whether with food or medical, they need to be able to not have to worry about looking over their shoulder, but lo- worrying about serving. And that's what's important to me.
2: Right. That is absolutely wonderful. I've never even thought of that. And so you guys cover sanctuary. And then what was the name that you called um, your group that uh, goes and helps missionaries do fasting?
1: Uh, uh, FAST, S-A-S-T, Foreign Deployed Advisory and Security Team, FAST.
2: Now, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that?
1: They can definitely go to our website, which is www.sscommand, and on our website, uh, you're able to uh, fill out uh, a form if you want more information or wanting in our services, and it goes uh, directly to our email, which I'll also give, which is sscommand7 at gmail.com, and those are the best way to reach us.
2: Okay, and let me ask you this. Since you are security, and we know at times, not very often, but it does happen, the best wolf uh, victims are abusers. And um, have you ever had that experience where an abuser actually wanted to intimidate um a victim by using your services at all
1: uh fortunately for us we have not experienced that so uh i, I pray that it's not a scenario uh, that we have to uh, deal with but when we are contacted uh there uh, you know are lengthy questions that that we ask uh, and so that we can get an understanding of, of the situation so we know it's like okay you know the individual that's contacting us is uh, someone that that needs our services needs our help uh, as opposed to okay is this uh, person just gathering uh, uh, intelligence if you will on what we do or if they've helped a, if we've helped a particular person or where that person is and so we are able to vet and separate Uh, the wheat from the chaff, so to speak.
2: Right, because I see it, um, not infrequently, I actually see it frequently where abusers use the legal system or use law enforcement to um, re-victimize their their victims, their abuse victims. And so I was just wondering if you guys had any uh, way of determining that because I know law enforcement just kind of, you know they want to believe everybody, and um, right yeah, you know, which is good to a point, but um, I was just wondering if you had any um, ways to determine that necessarily or not, but I think you kind of explained it, or was there something that might have sent you in mind while I was saying that I mean, I don't know if you have an assessment or intuition
1: well, we have uh, a questionnaire, if you will uh, at that. It helps us guide the conversation while we're gathering information from the individual that, that has reached out, uh, that allows us to, to know, it's like, it's like, okay, this is, uh, an individual who, you know, the victim and, and seeking, you know, our services, uh, or someone that's just probate.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah. In fact, I bet your service is so, infrequent on this side of the Mississippi, that is, um, that haven't even figured out how to use that in their, <laughs> for their advantage. But yeah, I'm just so amazed and I'm so excited. And just so that all my listeners know, Jonathan will be speaking at the Southern Utah Domestic Violence Conference put on by SAVE, which is Saving Abuse and Violence Victims Through Education. And they will be held in Ivan, Utah, which is right outside of Saint George. I am just so excited to have you. I, I just, I just can't believe it. I'm just so excited, and I want you to share everything you have with all of our attendees. It's going to be absolutely great. Do you have yes, anything I'm, to say re- in closing?
1: I am very excited uh, for the conference. I look forward to meeting uh, each and every person, and answering um, any and all questions, and uh, being able to. Uh, put forth uh, our organization and what we do, and I appreciate being uh, on the the radio show tonight. And I am just excited to be able for our organization to to, to help and and keep people safe. And uh, my my motto uh, for the, go with is uh, stay strong and courageous, which comes from uh, Joshua one nine. Uh, to stay strong and, and courageous, and, and that is what I encourage everyone to do, and that's what our organization strives to do as well.
2: Oh, that is absolutely wonderful, and I'm glad that you brought the scriptures into it. Just before you leave, I want to share with everybody um, exactly how we met. It was actually on, was it a, a BTS site? It was, wasn't it? On a Break site? Yes, it was. Site? Um, I He's love what? Break the Silence Against Domestic Violence, if you ever have any. If you want to ever look that up, that's a great organization. I love them to death. I've been to their retreats. They're amazing people. And he was on one of their Facebooks, and I was talking about something. I don't even remember what it was. And he said, hey, Serene, I, I, I'm I, not sure if we can match up, but I ha- I would like to talk to you about what you do. I think we can work together. And I'm like, if you're domestic violence, I can work you into something <laughs> because I'm always looking for people to help or to be able to uh, refer people to different things like that. I I love referring them to BTS um, retreats and stuff like that. And I will love to refer them to you as well. And I just wish I'm in Utah and I wish we had some in Utah. So I'm going to be pushing this issue until someone picks it up because I think it's an absolute great Great, great organization. I
1: agree. I
2: think that'd be great. Yeah. I just wish it was all over the, the West because it's so definitely needed. I mean, I can't tell you how many women would feel so secure if they had anything like that, for sure, to to keep them safe. And unfortunately, like I said, you know, law enforcement can't be called in on every little thing. They just don't have the manpower. And um, so... Right a private security group would absolutely be um a godsend actually and um and you said that you work with uh, you work hand in hand with law enforcement is that correct
1: yes we do whenever we have a uh, a client uh, and that involves a a convoy escort or if we are at their residence uh, providing overnight security so that you know, they feel safe while they're in their home and, and uh, sleeping, uh, we reach out to that local uh, law enforcement agency letting them know uh, who we are, that uh, we are on station at a particular location, uh, that we're providing uh, protection, uh, and just so they have it in, in record so if the incident does occur, Uh, that they are aware that they're there, so there's no confusion of who is present and not dealing with the the fog of war, if you will, you know, when law enforcement arrives on a scene, and we also happen to be there, and our uh, operators are are armed, depending on the the client, so so that law enforcement has all the information on the assignment that we're on. So yes, we keep up the lines of communication uh, with law enforcement uh, because that, that keeps them safe, it keeps us safe, and most of all, it keeps uh, the clients uh, 360 protected.
2: Right, and let me ask you this the state law um, it, it, is each state a little bit different with security uh, forces?
1: Uh, yes, it is. Uh, each state has their own uh, rules and regulations and laws in regards to how. Uh, security organizations are not only for, but how they operate. So even if one one company, so let's just say if we uh, were going to provide a protection detail in another state, uh, we would need to, to look up uh, their, their laws and uh, rules and regulations on how we're able to operate in that state, because uh, most states don't allow uh, executive protection operators, uh, aka bodyguards, carry firearms at all. Uh, and so uh, we would have to look up uh, their mandate on how we're able to operate uh, within that particular state
2: and guidelines.
1: Um,
2: I know Utah's not a don't carry guns state; it's a everybody better be carrying gun state. But um, <laughs> what state? <do> you... <laughs> no, we seriously, we have this town called Virgin Utah. Literally, you cannot buy a house unless you have a loaded gun in the house at all times. And they have no car oh, Wow. <laughs> wow. You, you have to literally show that you have a loaded gun before they'll even let you buy a <laughs> Wow. I love that sound. <laughs> <laughs> I like so that. So like I said, this is a, you better have a gun. <laughs> you better have a loaded gun. In those but I'm um, <laughs> kind of, just wondering what states um, would not want you to have guns. I don't know. Um, Oregon, maybe. <laughs> for a reason of possibly being high, I don't know, but,
1: um, <laughs> I believe, I believe a couple of new England states like, uh, Rhode Island, possibly, uh, Vermont. Um uh, oh, okay. I believe, I believe so there, there aren't too many in the, the West, definitely not in the Midwest, but, uh, the,
2: That's because we the wild swingers over here.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The best people. So, uh, in the New England states, uh, the northeastern states, uh, a few of them have a a no-carry policy, or you have to have extensive license uh, to carry. Uh, There's a few states in the south uh, that permit carry, but... Only for a certain length of time, or you have to have an expensive license to carry. Uh, but there's there aren't too many states in the union that uh, that make it, that say that you're not allowed to carry at all.
2: Well, well, I so appreciate you being on my show, absolutely for sure. And um, I will be getting in touch with you because, of course, you're going to be speaking at our conference for sure. Yeah, and um, I want every I want everyone to be there for sure especially if they enjoyed, uh, this conversation tonight. Hopefully they, hopefully we can get a bunch more in the West for sure, because we need them in every state. These women need to be protected. And I love how you say sanctuary. These women need sanctuaries. They need sanctuaries from all the threats and the manipulation. That's the worst part is is the threats, the constant threats. And as you probably know, um, when a victim either is trying to leave or leave. That's when 72% of all the DV deaths occur, it is when they, after they've left or as they're trying to leave. And and that's when you guys are needed.
1: I completely agree. Completely agree. We agree. We need more. So hopefully Absolutely. this uh, sparks something, you know, and uh, more uh, organizations, more security companies start stepping uh, out in faith, uh, like I mentioned earlier, and and wanting to to help.
2: Thank you so much again for coming on my show, and um, I will get with you a little bit later to um, solidify a bunch of other things for the conference.
1: Okay, sounds great. I look forward to it.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Okay, in closing, I just want to add um, a few more things. I absolutely want to thank Jonathan. Bradley for coming on tonight and joining us, sharing with us what he does and how he helps DV victims and survivors. Um, he, Like I said, he'll be joining um, my SAVE team at the Southern Utah Domestic Violence Conference June 7th and 8th. You can look that up through savve.org, or um, you can also look up our website through uh, dvaconference.org. And uh, you can find it that way. Both uh, find it both ways. Uh, other things uh, that might be of interest to um, you is Prince uh, will be having Stan Kate. I don't actually know who he is, but he's a long-range uh, world champion uh, shooter, and um, he won several championships. Uh, the world uh, championship is among his highest, of course. Thank you for listening tonight. And I pray that you have an excellent night and please stay safe. Good night.